everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Game Time with Zach and Jamir. My name is Jamir Wilson, and I'm co-hosted by Zach Wright. Today, the name of the game is Best of the Best, where we will discuss our current top 10 players, why they stand in the positions they do in our eyes. We also make predictions on who we believe can make their way into this list from the outside and move up and down going forward. So, first, before we start, how's it going, Zach? How you been, man? I've been all right. It's been really busy with work lately. Uh, you know, on a positive note, though, I got a grad school interview at Loyola University in Maryland, so that's exciting. Looking forward to that. Got to get a suit and all that, so it's going to be fun. How about awesome. you, What's going on with you? Uh, on a positive note for me, uh, today is actually – my two-year anniversary. Oh, I know. <laughs> my old lady. Shout out to Kiana. Um, and also, I've also been busy with work, but I'm also looking forward to um, applying and possibly interviewing with the University of Bloomsburg. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, let's get into it. So, who's in your top ten? Okay, so in my top ten, would do you do you think it would be better if I started from the top and work my way to the bottom, or work my way opposite? Do what you feel is best, bro. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess we can start from the top and work our way down. The number one player in my book is LeBron James. Number two, Kevin Durant. Number three, Kawhi Leonard. Shout out to my favorite player. Number four, Steph Curry. Number five, Anthony Davis. Number six, James Harden. Number seven, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number eight, Luka Doncic. Number nine, Nikolai Jokic. And rounding it out of the top 10 for me is Joel Embiid. Shout out to my Sixers. Uh, who is in your top 10? All right, so I similarly have LeBron one and Kevin Durant two. And now I have Steph Curry at three, Kawhi four, Harden five, Davis six, Giannis at seven, Luka at eight, Jokic at nine, and then I also have Embiid as number 10. Okay, uh, and why why do you have your top 10 ordered this way? I mean, when I think about who's the best players, I kind of think about who impacts the game the most while they're out there. So I just feel like these are the 10 most impactful players of recent years. You know, obviously with this season, things are, you know, looking different. And that's just how, that's just in general though. Like Embiid's looking like, you know, he's a top five player in the league right now this season. So, you know, I just try to think of it in a more so in a general way, especially with this year just being so, you know, up and down and different with COVID and no fans and all that, it kind of changes things a lot. So, yeah, I just kind of thought of it as, like, who are the 10 most impactful players? You know, obviously took into account their skill level and abilities as well. But, yeah, I just feel like, you know, like the impact is more important than, say, who's the best offensive and defensive player. Because, like, I think Kevin Durant's the best scorer in the league, but that doesn't make him the best player. So, you know, that's kind of how I was going about it in that sense. And how about you, Jameer? What kind of made you – what influenced your decisions in your, your top 10? 
Uh, I would agree with overall impact. I think like uh, the eyeball test is something I really look at. Also, in terms of yeah, not just looking at who's the best scorer, who's the best offensive player, who's the best defensive player. I kind of look at the overall package and try to say, well, for example, like LeBron James is the clear number one in my book. He impacts the floor, the teammates he has around him. And I also look at like situations and how they handle different situations. Mm -hmm. Uh, You put LeBron James on any team, he has the best impact on any team he would step um, on, you know, like if he were to step on the floor anywhere, if they're a lottery team, they become a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he steps on a team that just makes it to the playoffs every year, they become a championship contender. If you step on a championship contender, they might win it all mm-hmm. if he steps on the floor with that team. And then going on down, I think, just if you put them on any other team, just how much they change things and how they make other players play on both ends of the floor. Like how do, how do the opponents have to adjust to them? How do they have to watch them? Like, for example, with Steph Curry, you can't necessarily, you can't keep your eyes off of him because you leave him open in any respect. You might as well start walking back because it's three points on the board. Um, got LeBron James uh, as well as guys like Luka Doncic and James Harden as playmakers who can distribute the basketball and facilitate and make other players great, not just good. Um, And you have guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and Joel Embiid in this top 10 who make other players better on defense just because of how well they play defense and like with Kawhi Leonard, he takes on one of the top two assignments every night, pretty much, and does a spectacular job, comes up with steals, comes up with clutch defensive plays, and so on. So just the overall package, uh, look at the situations they've been in and things like that. So, yeah. I think you said that very well. I appreciate that, sir. Now, as we all know, things are subject to change. Which of these players are most likely to move up or down? When I think of who can, who's most likely to move up, the name that comes to mind for me is Joel Embiid. He's his biggest issue for like the last few years. People just felt like he wasn't, you know, bringing the intensity consistently enough. And like, you know, he's kind of playing lackadaisical in the eyes of some. Just wasn't, you know, there wasn't that fire was missing to a degree. But at least with this season, he's definitely, you know, been locked in the entire time. And it's showing because he is a front runner in the MVP race. And this MVP race is one of the tightest ones we've seen in years. So it's very good. It's going to be very exciting to see how it turns out. But, you know, he's maintained a level of excellence that he hasn't had before throughout this season. And he's hitting threes at an efficient, at a very efficient clip this season. He's hitting 40% of his threes now. He's making well over about 55% of his shots, if I'm correct. Like, Embiid's been playing very well, locked in, playing amazing defense as always, as you mentioned. Just a defensive force. And if he can maintain this level of intensity, I feel like he can definitely move up the list and usurp some of the players above him. Especially with some players are going to be getting older. Embiid has a, a very high ceiling. He should be able to average 
30 and, and 13 winning season. Like he definitely has that ability in him, especially that shot remains consistent. And he keeps that, you know, keeps locking down the paint in his post. He's the best, you know, post player in the league this season or in the last few years, I'd say he's been the best post player. So yeah, I just feel like Embiid's the one who has the biggest shot of moving up in this list for me. And then if you want to talk about moving down, I think the most likely suspect would be Harden. And I feel like it has more so to do with his move to Brooklyn rather than Harden, you know, getting worse or players getting, you know, getting better than Harden simply because Harden's no longer the number one option. Those opportunities to get 40 a night is just, you know, that's not going to happen anymore with Kevin Durant being deemed, you know, the closer and the go-to guy. And then that's not even mentioning the fact that Kyrie Irving is also there needing shots. So Harden's going to have to, he's changed his game. And he's got to continue to play in a more so playmaker capacity rather than being like the spearhead of the attack or the main scoring option. Like he's right now, he's, you know, averaging a, a nice double, double, a 20 and 10 double, double, which is amazing. And he's going to have to keep playing with that same level of um, that same mentality of playmaking rather than going for 40. Cause he's no longer, you know, the end all and be all of the offense. He has other playmakers and other people who arguably can score better than him now. So I just feel like that will being in that sidekick, quote unquote sidekick role, will cause him to possibly move down in the eyes of many. But I feel Harding will still be a very impactful player, just in a, in a new capacity, which I think will be fun to watch. And how about you, Jameer? Who's likely to move up and down for you? Um, I want to quickly touch on your point about James Harden. Uh, I think that just because He's become a facilitator. I think that he, just based on eye test for me, is still is still clearly top ten. I think his position. I think he's actually further solidifying his position. To be honest, I think uh, most players going into new situations, especially in situations where they've been tasked to embark upon a new role and. To a set, like I mean, facilitating isn't new for him, but he was like the number one facilitator and scorer, and as you said, end all be all in the offense. But I think now with him coming in and basically leading, which the offense that will probably be the best offense in all, of all time, um, in terms of rating and different things of that nature, different statistics. Yeah, uh, I think that's a testament to his him as a player and him in like char- his character. So uh yeah. But I will I will agree with you um getting into my up and down. I think that Joel and B can move up also um just because of the fact that we've not only seen a jump in his intensity but a jump in his numbers. As you said, he's averaging in the 50s from the field, uh just about 40 from triple. Uh he's getting He's just he's playing a lot better. He's played outstanding. Um, he's shooting 85 percent from the free throw line, which is much better than his previous averages thus far, at least. Uh, he's averaging over a steal and a block a game. That's big. He's, he's playing out of his mind. He's in an MVP race that's extremely tight, as you said. And yes, I think that. His game is climbing more than other players in this list. Like most players in the top 10 that we said are having 
pretty regular seasons in terms of what we know they can do. So Joel's, you know, great decre- great increase, as well as I think the team around him finally fitting what he likes to do with shooting and the playmaking and the slash and all that that he has around him. Mm-hmm. He now has the unit that fits properly with Seth Curry, Danny Green, uh, Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris in that lineup yeah. that has been outstanding this season. Mm-hmm. I think he has the right unit. He has a better coach, a, a more experienced coach that can properly utilize him. So, yeah, I think I think he has clearly the most growing that he can do, and he can definitely move. Like, he has the, the highest chance to move up. And then for down, in an opposite note, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think we've seen an ideal lineup for him We've also seen that he's had a great coach already. He's won an MVP twice. I think last year, though, uh, the NBA kind of gave him a storyline MVP and a storyline defensive player of the year, more so than him actually just outright taking it. Because I think LeBron outplayed him last year, and that showed further in the playoffs. Hate to break it to the league (laughs) and Giannis fans, but I think, Giannis Antetokounmpo not only is like carried a little bit by the narrative, I want to say, and also I think he's hit his peak because we constantly lament how broke his jump shot is, but he can't, he, like, he can't fix that. I just don't think he can fix his jump shot. I don't believe in him fixing his jump shot. And like, his numbers are outstanding. Like he's averaging what 20, 28, 11, and basically six assists, which is awesome. Right, those are great numbers. But he does it every year. We kind of we kind of used to this now from uh, from Giannis. Yeah, no doubt. But he's he's not he's not moving up. He's not doing anything else that we haven't seen. He's not expanding, and he's already had an ideal situation for him. And also in the playoffs, too, like I, as I said earlier, I consider the entire body of work. When he hits the playoffs, we've seen for the past few years now uh, in the playoffs when the whistle is, is utilized less, uh, it's more chippy, more physical, it's more bumping, uh, the lane gets tighter and things of that nature. Giannis can be stopped or at least slowed down enough to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, until he gets a jump shot, a lot of things won't happen for him, although he's been carried by narrative yeah. for so long. Word. Like, he, he's oh, – go ahead. My fault. I didn't mean to cut you off. But like, like you are saying, the jump shot thing is not happening. And then we've seen, like – after 2019, when Toronto just threw out Marcus Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Siakam, Kyle Lowry, and then Kawhi, once they threw that lineup out, just matched up Giannis with every big, every mobile big guy they could think of. Giannis was exposed, and then that same formula, you know, exposed itself again when Miami dismantled them last year in the playoffs. So until Giannis, it's either Giannis learns how to shoot or he learns how to make a move around these bigger players rather than just as you would call it, the halfback dive to the basket. Yeah, the halfback dive. 
Like, we talked about this another time, but like with that post, Giannis needs to learn how to like, force doubles in the post and kick out to his, his shooters because without that, it's just teams are just zoning and baiting him into running into, you know, all the seven footers they have. And then he kicks out his shooters and that's, a, that's, they're praying, but the shooters have to get the shot off quick because they're being zoned. So, right. And also the, for me, the funny thing too about last year was I thought that Milwaukee was going to be able to get out of the East just because I felt like uh, most teams could not replicate uh, Toronto's formula from the previous year because no team had the same type of team that Toronto had. Like, I feel like that Toronto team was built perfectly to stop Giannis because they had they had Gasol, Siakam, and, and Ibaka, along with Kawhi Leonard, who I mentioned earlier, is one of the best defenders in the world, if not the best. So I think I thought they had the perfect formula, but then you come out last year with a bunch of smaller guys like Iguodala, Crowder, uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam Matabayo, and still shut that down and still, as you said, dismantled them in a quick, what was it, five games? Yeah, that's five. It's five. Gentlemen sweep. Yeah. So it it was a, a completely different kind of team because Miami was much smaller versus a team that you know, versus another team that was much bigger. Yeah. So it it's proven that he can be stopped against many different types of teams. It don't don't matter what you have. As long as you just clog up the lane, it's the same formula. So yeah. I just feel like uh, Giannis, like of the players we have in our top ten, Giannis and Harden are the only one, only two who've shown that they can be stopped at some point. Although I feel like the, the thing with Harden though is, you know, he was the only point of attack, and he's not a seven foot, you know, cheetah on the court. So I just feel like that's interesting that Giannis, has, you know, all, he relies on these physical tools as he should, but. Once he runs into other players who can match those tools, he just has shown time and time again that it's a lot harder for him to be the great player that he is. The harder just like, you know, he's 6'5", 200-something. He's a heavy player, but he's not the biggest. He's not the most agile. And then when he's the only one making these moves, you know, of course he's going to get stopped at some point. So it's just very interesting. Please go ahead. And and with with Harden's situation too, it's not about – schematics for James Harden is more so he just gets overwhelmed by the other team because other teams beat Giannis in the Bucks schematically where with James Harden he just runs into a team that's you know better than him and also I also think it's a mental thing a little bit with James Harden because he has shown from time to time that he is missing a clutch bone I hate, uh, yeah. I, I, I would, I would go on a limb and say that he, he's missing a clutch bone. But with Giannis, he gets stopped schematically because of his skill set, and because, you know, I, I think he's not very clutch either, or he can't be very clutch because of his skill set. Yeah, like you can't, you can't roll out Giannis and pull up a, a game-winning three. That's not going to happen. It's ninety-nine percent chance he misses it. So yeah, very interesting. Let's talk about uh, some other players in the league. Like, there's plenty of players in the NBA who can be considered in the top ten. Like, there's a lot of great players. But who on the outside your list do you think has a shot of actually cracking in the top ten? 
So the player that I think personally can crack the top 10 list, uh, I've given him a lot of crap, <laughs> but uh, Zion Williamson is the guy who I believe can crack the top 10 list, not because of what he is now, but what I believe he can be. Uh, Zion Williamson is an athletic phenomenon, uh, to say the least. And with his offensive ability already scoring in the ballpark of 25 a game, in fact, he is scoring exactly 25 a game right now. Uh, he's also shooting 37.5% from deep, which is excellent for his size and his position, um, averaging around seven boards and three assists a game with a steal and almost a block a game as well. I think that he has so much room to grow. And of all the players that are in the top 10 right now, I don't think there's going to be much movement for a while. But I think that eventually when you move up, like when you move on in the next few years, I think Zion Williamson could be the next guy in this list, um, regardless of who you're dropping. Um, also considering the fact that he's only 20 and he's doing this stuff. He's, uh, I think I think he has a great chance. And um, I also think not just because of this stuff too, but I think when you talk about his current situation, I think when you started, when you started out, like he, he was a, like, he's a female, as I said, mm -hmm. and in high school, he was looked at as such a great player. So many people were watching his, his YouTube highlights, uh, his videos on Instagram, all different kinds of stuff. And the buzz generated into him landing in the Duke. And then at Duke, he was even more celebrated, obviously, because on the NCAA level, that's one of the most celebrated institutions in the world, NCAA basketball. Uh, and then he, he was the number one pick. And there's been so much buzz and hype around him that he's had to deal with that circus. And then you've had the abnormal situation of not only being a phenomenon as an athlete and all this buzz around your name, but you deal with injuries, COVID, uh, they've changed, They've, you know, the front office has been adjusting since he's gotten there. And then they have a new coach. They're changing players. There's just so many different situations. I think once he gets a steady situation as well, along with him getting older, since he's only 20 years old, I think that he is more than set to become a top 10 player just because of his athleticism and his, his game and natural game. Like he's a natural basketball player. Like, he does things instinctually that most players can't do, not just with his athleticism. So, yeah. Uh, how about you, Zach? All right, so for me, I'm going to go with another young player. I'm going to talk about Jason Tatum, only 22 years old. He's become a very complete player since when he got drafted. Like, coming into the league, he's always a great shooter, natural score, a great build. But he struggled immensely as a playmaker. And that was being exposed a lot when, like, especially when he started getting featured in the offense more. Teams would just double him, and then it just ended in, like, a terrible turnover a lot of times. But now he's got his playmaking up exponentially. He's averaging 4.7 assists per game and 
only 2.3 turnovers. And for someone who plays over 30 minutes, over 35 minutes a game, that's really good. That's like a two to one ratio, especially for a wing player. So that's very nice. He, he can do it all on offense, hit from anywhere on the court. Very smooth player. Uh, you know, he's developed that nice turnaround, de- turnaround J, which is crucial for any great wing in the NBA. Like LeBron, Kevin, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard all have that. And Tatum's now at his arsenal, which I think is a big part of him, you know, growing as a scorer. He's only averaging 20, well, not only, he's averaging 25.8 this season but it's very feasible that he gets that number closer to 30, especially in the next couple of seasons. So yeah, Tatum, he's grown a lot and he still has a little bit more room to grow. I feel like he's not, when he attacks the basket, he's like dodging contact a lot, which kind of limits his free throw attempts, which as you know, most players in the, you know, most great players, they get a lot of points because they're attacking the basket, getting fouled and, you know, just drawing contact. So I feel like that's something Tatum needs to get, but you know, he's he just become so great to watch. And his shot selection, like I remember back when we had Kyrie on the Celtics, Tatum was just over-dribbling a lot, taking a lot of nutty shots, just trying to get, you know, trying to do his thing. But he's cut down the over-dribbling a lot. He's taking much better shots. He's, you know, seeing, like I said earlier, seeing the court better. And I, I don't know, I'm just excited to see him develop. I really do think he has a shot at getting into the top 10. And in my personal opinion, he's already – in the top 15, arguably, no doubt, top 20. So, yeah, I'm just, just excited to see him grow as a player. Very well said. And speaking of great small forwards, it feels like LeBron James has been on top of the mountain for quite some time now as number one. Who do you believe can be the next number one? And a follow-up question to that would be, can they be a long-standing number one? The player in the, on this list who I feel like has a shot at being the next number one, I have to go with Luka. You know, 21 years old, so plenty of room for growth. He's already a walking triple-double. He's an entire offense unto himself. Like the Mavericks of last season had the greatest offensive rating of all time. And the team didn't have a – army of offensive juggernauts is pretty much Luca Porzingis who wasn't there the whole time. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. Everyone else you are, you can argue that they're average or below average offensive players. So that just goes to show the kind of impact that Luca Doncic has already that he can bring a team of otherwise average scores to be the best offense of all time in terms of, in terms of a number granted, but you know, yeah, Luca's he just his biggest weakness right now is his jump shot. He can hit tough shots, but his percentages are very they're not good. He's very he's below pedestrian or below average, I should say. Definitely above pedestrian, but below average for the NBA in three-point percentage. You know, he had that nice step back three over the Clippers. So he's cap- capable of hitting shots. I think he just needs to fix some little, you know, make some t- minor tweaks, and then he should be able to hit at least 38% of his threes which will help him immensely as a, you know, as a playmaker who's already under a lot of pressure. Like, you know, he turns the ball over way too much. And that's, you know, again, that that's, comes with the pressure he has as the, the sole point of offense for his team. But if he can get that shot, that jump shot right, teams will have to, you know, respect it a little more than they, they do. And it'll just help him open, open the floor for himself even more. And, yeah, his defense is another thing that I feel like he needs to clean up to try to – to move up on this this list. 
because I remember, you know, those back-to-back Dallas uh, Warriors games, the score was like – the score was crazy because both those teams can't play defense. But I do remember watching Luka just getting torched by, like, Damian Lee. Again, taking off the dribble by this, some, you know, some random dude. And then the dude's, like, letting people call him a baby and stuff because he just is so porous on defense. But, yeah, Luka definitely offensively, he has everything he needs besides getting a consistent jump shot, although that's definitely feasible for him. So, yeah, I feel like he's the next number one. And longstanding, I do think he can do it for a while because, like I said, he's 21 years old. Give him a few years, he's, he's going to climb up the list even more. And he doesn't rely on athleticism. So, uh, like, worrying about, like, a decline due to, like, you know, age and stuff is not really something, you know, you got to think about with Luca. So I think he can be number one for a long time. Granted, someone, someone new comes in and <laughs> tries to challenge his spot, but we'll see what the future um, has to come. And how about you, Jameer? What do you think? I would have to agree. Uh, Luka Doncic right now is already on the top 10, um, and he's 21 years old. He's been competing about – he's been competing against – I'm sorry. He's been competing against – Older players all his life, pretty much. Uh, going back to his days when he was younger, he was like he's used to this because of what he's done for so long now. This is the game of basketball is not due to him. He's just going up against the best in the world, and he's already proving that he can be the best in the world. He's, as you said, a walking offense, a walking triple double, and he averages, what, 29, 8.6, and 9 per game, which is absurd mm-hmm. in itself. And he's only 21 years old. He also has something that most players don't have, which is a clutch gene. I've mentioned like guys like James Harden, Giannis, and some other guys in tough situations, they break down. But he's proven that when you give him the ball in a crunch time situation, he's not going to fold regardless of how much attention is on him defensively, regardless of how much pressure is on him in the moment, how many eyes are on him. Uh, regardless of what happens, you give him the ball in a crunch time situation, he will step up, he will score, and no one one-on-one can deal with him. Like he, He's... He's picking people apart. Like, I've seen him. He's not the most athletic player in the world, but he'll get by. He can get by just about anybody he steps in front of. So, and he does it in his own way, which is is, is crazy to see because he doesn't, like, he's not, like, shaking anybody. He's not running past people, but he just gets by every time. Mm -hmm. And also, you got guys like Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, Willie Cully-Stein. And no disrespect to them, but they're not offensive juggernauts, as you said. They're not guys who would be scary if I'm looking and I'm like, ooh, my team has to deal with those guys today. I'm not worried about that. But Luka Doncic weaponizes everybody. He makes everybody uh, better than they are offensively because you have to put so much attention on him one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And he still gets his regardless. But also, um, when we talk about his weaknesses, his lack of athleticism, which I, c- I think kind of contributes to his lack of defense in a way, 
Uh, also, I think just because he's young uh, and still doesn't really understand a lot of things about the NBA, he doesn't know certain like tic-tac things that he could do to be a better defender because you have guys like James Harden and Steph Curry who aren't built the best either, but they still get like two steals or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they still can play a lot better on the defensive end. So I think, you know, he averages a steal a game right now. So I think that number can jump. Um, and also his efficiency, as you said, like he averages, he averages about what, four turnovers a game. He's only shooting like 33 and a half from deep and things of that nature. And he's taking a lot of shots. But I think that that attrib- that's like that comes down to his second best option, KP being out so much. So he has to take so many shots. He's constantly being double teamed and things of that nature. So I think when the situation around him gets better, like they finally get him some offensive help that's consistent. Uh, also, with him just getting older and learning the game and the ins and outs and you know, certain certain referees call certain things, just experience that other players on this list have because he's the youngest player on both of our lists as of now. When he reaches, like, because most of these guys are in their 30s at this point or late 20s. So when he hits that age, I think he'll be a clear number one because he already has a clutch gene. He's already doing what they're doing, and he's one of the best playmakers and scorers in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, just – once he once he reaches that point of experience and stuff like that, I think he'll be clearly number one. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the clutch gene thing because me personally, I just hate that argument because it completely ignores the fact that numbers do exist. And like people will say that LeBron's not clutch, but as you all know, LeBron be doing what he got to do. So I just hate that argument, but nonetheless, that is still valid because you need to create that legend to be number one, like you need that legendary story and legendary shots. Like he started it with that, you know, that step back three in the playoffs against the Clippers. Like that was the start of Luka becoming a legend. And as soon as he did that, everyone's like, all right, Luka for MVP next season. And it's not happening because his team is, is dog water. Like they're trash, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah, that clutch gene thing is definitely crucial. So I'm glad you mentioned it. But yeah, that's everything for today's episode of Game Time with Zach and Jameer. Again, I'm Zach, and my co-host here is Jameer. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at GameTime underscore podcast, on Twitter at GameTime underscore ZNJ, as well as Facebook at GameTime with ZNJ, and to stay up to date on further content. And to listen to future episodes, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. We can't wait to talk more basketball on GameTime.